You are now listening to Hack My Age, the show that brings you guests with information on how to make yourself hard to kill and help you live to 100 and beyond in good condition. I'm your host, Zora Benamou, a digital nomad currently stuck in Spain, certified sports nutrition coach and master student of gerontology at USC. I am the creator of the Longevity Master Plan, an online program to slow aging and author of the cookbook, Eating for Longevity. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review to help others find us too. This episode is sponsored by Primadine, a supplement that if I had to choose only one, it would pretty much be this one. It's because Primadine is spermidine, and this has been shown to activate autophagy, which is super important, and it's basically a cellular cleanup and recycling process that declines as we age. When we get older, our cells accumulate a lot of junk and a lot of waste, and this isn't really great for us, so we need to clean it up. So if you want some research, go to primadine.com, and you can see all of it supporting cognitive health and heart health, hormone balancing, and long and strong hair, nails, and eyelashes by using spermidine. So another very important reason why I love primidine in particular so much is that I've never had received ever as much feedback about a product as I have with primidine. Literally several times a week, someone reaches out to me on Facebook or Instagram with an amazing testimonial. And most of the time it's about improved sleep. So I can honestly say that I can 100% be convinced now that primidine is the best spermidine supplement you'll ever find. And you can try it with a 15% discount by using the code Zora, Z-O-R-A, on primadine.com. And that's P-R-I-M-E-A-D-I-N-E.com. Now enjoy the show. Great. Well, welcome to the podcast and Zoom meeting. For the next 30 minutes, we are going to talk about autophagy. What, What the hell is that? And how we can use this to slow aging with biohackers Leslie Kenny and Amy Lamotte. And um, Leslie, just to give you a little background, Leslie is a certified health coach, patient advocate, sexologist, and founder of Oxford HealthSpan. This is a a nutraceutical company promoting a healthier, longer life for everyone. Totally love that. Amy Lamotte is the managing director of Valot Nutrigenomics Limited in Hong Kong. She's a clinical nutritionist and researcher specializing in personalized nutrition, nutritional genomics, nutrition for anti-aging, circadian biology, and the microbiome. She has a master's of science in human nutrition, summa cum laude. Yay, congratulations. Um, this is from the University of Bridgeport, and she uh, and she's a JD from Yale Law School. So welcome, Leslie and Amy. Amy. Thanks, Sarah. Great to see you. <laughs> so some of you guys who are here in a Zoom meeting, which we're going to convert to a podcast, if you have questions, please don't hesitate to interrupt us and ask, ask us anytime um, things that you may not understand. Um, and before we dive into the autophagy, because we only got 30 minutes, we're going to do a quick, I want Amy to, to, to have a quick introduction of how we all met and how we're all connected, because you're so good at this story. I, I love it. Well, um, it's funny because Leslie and I actually met a long time ago, and we met in Hong Kong, must have been around 2002, 2003, because that's when I first moved to Hong Kong, and at the time, we didn't know that we both had autoimmune conditions, 
Uh-huh. So we were both sick. We didn't know it. I was working as a lawyer. Leslie was working as a banker or an entrepreneur at the time. And we connected in Hong Kong and then our paths split and Leslie left Hong Kong. And during that time period, we both found out that we had autoimmune conditions. And because I think we both have a similar, you know, we can do anything mindset, we both managed to reverse our autoimmune conditions. And then we both found ourselves in the health and wellness space. So, you know, I, from my point of view, I got so deep into nutrition that I decided that I wanted to get my master's of science in it and become a clinician. And I guess Leslie can can tell you herself, you know, what her path, where that took her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my particular path was, gee, I've been biohacking my health since around that time, since uh, 2004 when I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis and lupus, uh, for which I was told there's no cure and you have about five years left to live. And uh, at that point, uh, you know, having reversed this, having had a child at age 43 when I was told I would never have children, I thought this needs to be shared, but I need to get the skills to do it. So I got my certification as a bulletproof coach under Dave Asprey and Mark Atkinson's tutelage. And then I went to the Institute for Integrative Nutrition as well. And parallel to that, I kept meeting all these great scientists here in Oxford, England, where I live. And I'd meet them at on the school playground um, and ask them what they were working on. Say, my God, that's amazing. You're able to bring uh, stem cell technology to reverse uh, disease and aging and they'd say yeah and I'd say have you raised money for it and they'd say yeah like 5,000 pounds and I think okay we need to we need to do something about this basically British people hate to talk about money mm-hmm. but being half Chinese I have no such problem and uh, also having an MBA I have no such problem so I started uh, fundraising for some of these great companies and I ended up getting what I'll call uh, some of the orphaned, uh, meeting some of the orphaned scientists in areas that uh, verged on nutrition. And that's because nutrition is not really a science here at the University of Oxford. We have no nutrition department the way Harvard Med School does. Um, and instead, if you want to study ketones, you want to study something like spermidine, uh, you do it uh, slightly quietly. And so I met all these great professors and thought, especially when I met uh, Professor Kutcha Simon, an immunologist, uh, that something like spermidine needed to be brought to the market. So using my patient advocacy hat, my health coach hat, uh, and the, the MBA, I thought, let's bring this product to market. It's just at the time that we're beginning to hear about autophagy and spermidine does trigger autophagy. And uh, let's see if we can not just cure disease, but beat aging itself. Hmm. Such a good explanation. Yeah, I'm so glad you went down that road because I think we need you. <laughs> and, and you're a perfect person to talk about autophagy. And autophagy is a word that I think a lot of people kind of hear, but maybe not really understand. So can either you or Amy explain what is autophagy and why do we need this in our lives? Sure. Um, do you want me to do it, Amy, or? Go ahead, you can start. Okay. I'll jump in. Okay. Well, let's just, uh, you know, let's look at the word itself, autophagy 
comes from the Greek and it means self-eating. So it's a kind of self-cleaning function like you'd have for your, you know, the oven. You have a self-cleaning function in your oven and we have that for our cells as well. So the basis of all health is down at the cellular level. And we have this great inbuilt self-cleaning mechanism that allows us to continually renew and repair our cells and get rid of the old worn out cells. And that is what autophagy is. So as long as we can do that process of cellular renewal, our, you know, all of our organs and tissues stay young and healthy. However, at certain points in our life, we may, uh, we may experience aging. Uh, there are nine hallmarks of aging. I won't go into every single one of them, but they can be everything from uh, mitochondrial uh, aging to, uh, you know, basically DNA, uh, your DNA not actually maintaining its integrity. Uh, cellular senescence, things like this. And it's at that point that autophagy normally would rescue our cells. Um, but when we stop producing that, things like spermidine internally, either through our gut microbiota, through our tissues, or we don't ingest enough spermidine in our diet, that autophagy process stalls. And then these uh, these markers of aging then begin to manifest in our in our organs and tissues, and then we see it. You know, we see it in wrinkles, we see it in gray hair, um, which is they say uh, a sign of mitochondrial dysfunction in ninety nine percent of cases. So, anyway, that's that's a, a quick introduction. I, I that was that was a great introduction, but the only thing I would add. Um, is that we know that centenarians somehow are able to maintain autophagy as they age. And that is one of the distinguishing features between the centenarians that they've been studying at places like Einstein and the average person. So a lot of research now is being poured into how does autophagy happen? How can we make this continue to happen in everyone? Because then we can make people maybe you know, not get some of these diseases of aging, whether it's dementia or cardiovascular disease or cancer. Um, and the, so the research is really interesting. And even the National Institutes of Health is pouring funding into this, which I think is really interesting. Oh, okay. Um, all right. So tell, so autophagy sounds pretty important if you want to age slower. It's like if this, these centenarians or these super centenarians have autophagy activated, in their body then the qu next question is how how do we activate it is it is it autophagy happen a lot when we're young and then less when we're old and and how do we act, act what are the ways we can activate autophagy well we know we know that one of the main ways to activate autophagy is through fasting and actually when you think about it what, what was actually happening is that when you are starving your body is working hard to recycle any components it can in the cell because you might be able to use some of that as nutrients. Um, okay. So that's actually, you know, one of the main ways that we get into autophagy. Yeah. And you, you, you study the blue zones and centenarians. I mean, in many of these cultures, people always fasted, you know, on an annual basis, whether for religious reasons or other reasons. And it's something that we've lost touch with. Mm -hmm. 
in modern society. I mean, I know like in the biohacking world, of course, you know, intermittent fasting or time-restricted eating is, is back in vogue now, right? Mm -hmm, but I still mm -hmm. think, you know, among the average person, not so much. Yeah, yeah. Can, I can I jump in? I have, I have some questions sure. related to that with the fasting. So now, um, you know, the autophagy is really popular. If you get fasting apps like Fastic, you know, it'll say after 14 hours, okay, now you're in autophagy. So one, I would like to know, what is the actual benchmark? Like, is it 14 hours? And do you really count? I mean, these apps make you kind of start a timer after your last meal, but you're not really fasting after your last meal because your body has to digest it, right? So what is the what is the actual time frame? And then what's kind of the fine line between, okay, I want to get into autophagy, but I also don't want my body to like eat all of my muscle that I've worked hard to build. <laughs> um, I, think the, the, I think the answer is they don't really know for sure. And I would guess that it is very dependent on the individual in terms of, you know, your genetics, whether you have really good autophagy genes or you don't, I think there could be a lot of variation. Okay. I think three days, you know, you're probably definitely using autophagy at that stage, but whether you can get into it before then or not, I, I think it really probably depends on multiple factors. Oh, okay. So 14 hours is definitely way too... <laughs> not you're probably getting some happen. benefit, but it's not the same as doing an extended fast, okay. like a fasting mimicking diet or a seven day water fast. Obviously you'll get much more benefit from something like that oh, but as okay. you said the downside is you know you don't want to lose all the muscle you've worked so hard to gain so there are other ways to induce autophagy and maybe that's something that leslie wants to talk about okay yeah and i i do think that um that while fasting is fantastic there are individuals for whom fasting is not always appropriate and as a hypothyroid patient it's something that I can do intermittent fasting, but I actually am doing, you know, the 16-8 type of fasting. And it's because if I go anything past the 16 hours, uh, what's happening is my body is actually, uh, is actually slowing down my metabolism. It's actually releasing reverse T3, which is covering my thyroid receptors for T3, which is what your cells need uh, for energy. And uh, it's preparing myself for starvation and hibernation. And I don't, you know, women like me, we don't want that. We want our metabolism to be primed so that we're not keeping on body fat, so we're still burning fat, and so we don't feel sluggish and brain fogged. And there are things that you can do uh, to trigger autophagy. So scientifically, we know that, that some compounds, for example, resveratrol and spermidine will trigger autophagy. And without having to fast, right? Without, without having uh -huh. to fast, exactly. So this is, the, this is the hack part of it. So for me, I like to extend, you know, extend my fast. I can still eat, but I take in higher amounts of spermidine. Now, why not resveratrol? Well, I could do resveratrol, but it's a very expensive supplement. 
and it's not very bioavailable, whereas spermidine is bioavailable. And I can get it from my diet. Uh, you can get it from things like sprouted seeds. You can, uh, you can get it from wheat germ. You can get it from Japanese natto. That is the source uh, fermented Japanese natto, which is otherwise known as stinky tofu. It has a huge amount of it. It's just, you know, the mouthfeel, the smell, a, a the lot stickiness. of <laughs> The unctuousness of it is not very appealing. Um, so my hack is, you know, is spermidine. That was, that was really why, uh, you know, why I thought this needs to, this needs to be out there. But this is only, what have I missed, Amy? not like you wouldn't buy like a spermidine supplement. Yes, you can. You know, oh. Yeah, you can, you can definitely do that. And that, as a matter of fact, is what Oxford HealthSpan has come to market with is a spermidine supplement, but you can also get it from your diet. Of course, we know that the standard American diet is quite devoid in a lot of the nutrients that have spermidine in them. Um, by contrast, uh, the Japanese diet is very high in spermidine. It's just how do you get someone in, say, you know, Indiana, which is the state I was born in, how do we get, you know, the average person in Indiana to take on the, the standard Japanese diet, especially a diet high in spermidine. It's just not going to happen. That's why supplementing is a lot easier um, as a way to, you know, to introduce it in a standardized way in a daily manner so that they've always got it available to their tissues. And, and on the flip side of what Leslie's saying, what's really interesting is that there is research that shows that the populations that do eat the most spermidine live longer, right? So they have a reduced um, risk of mortality, all-cause mortality, which is super interesting. There was one paper in particular where they looked at a pretty big cohort of, it was like 850 Italian people. And the ones that were in the highest category for the most spermidine in their diet, um, not only did they live the longest, but there were people, there were more people with diabetes and even though there were more people with diabetes in the group that ate the most spermidine, they still lived the longest despite having diabetes. Oh, so it's wow. kind of like studies on metformin, Zora, you know, mm -hmm. where they show that people with diabetes live longer than people yes. who don't have diabetes and don't take metformin. It's, it's showing a similar pattern, which I think is really interesting. What's interesting though, I would like to know is about some of those studies because I also was you know, thinking, oh, I should probably take metformin. But the studies on healthy people taking metformin, um, that is that, it, I don't know if they're living as long as the people who have diabetes taking metformin. Is, or have there studies done on that? I think there was a study that came out recently on healthy people and showing that metformin may restrict some of the benefits of exercise in healthy people. Yes, yes, yes. That's what I remember that one. Yeah. Well, I think jury is not out on metformin. Um, yeah. you know, the study I'm talking about was just looking at spermidine from the diet. Mm -hmm. And what was interesting was that I think the reason that the group that ate the most spermidine had more diabetes was that they actually had higher glycemic load because they were getting their mm -hmm. spermidine from grains and from fruits. Ah, interesting. So, 
it was an, it was a very interesting study. So spermidine is coming from natto, which is is soybean, um, wheat germ, right? You said Correct. wheat germ, so you can go into the health shop and just get wheat germ and put in your smoothie or something. Where else do you get spermidine from in terms of food? You said sprouted. Uh, you can get it from sprouts. You can get it from peas, from cheddar cheese. It's very interesting. You know, cheddar long cheese. fermented <laughs> cheese. Um, Dr. Stephen Gundry, who talks a bit about spermidine, will even say, you know, the rind of your Parmesan has high amounts of spermidine in it. And uh, yeah, for everyone who's ever been told by their doctor to not take cheese because it raises their cholesterol. I'm sorry about this, but, uh, but cheese actually, and cheddar cheese does have, have a lot, mature cheese of any kind. Mm. Um, with regard to wheat germ, yes, you could take, you could take wheat germ. The problem is wheat germ is very unstable. It's, uh, it goes rancid very quickly. So storage uh, you need to be really mindful of the storage, make sure it doesn't go off and it's a little hard to digest. A natto, fantastic source. You can get a little bit from, uh, from grapefruit even. So there are many food sources. The real question is where can you get a significant amount of it, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's the, that's the, the issue. So yeah. natto, natto would be the one. Yeah. Um, uh, just back to that metformin study that near Barzilai of uh, Albert Einstein College of Medicine is doing a study with the FDA on the anti-aging benefits of metformin is the first anti real anti-aging trial and that's because the FDA does not uh, class aging as a disease and what one problem with metformin that you alluded to is that while you live longer, your muscle will waste. And so who wants to be 120 or even 100 if you don't have the muscle to lift yourself out of a chair? Mm -hmm. Or if when you walk down the street, you trip and you break a hip? I mean, it's, it's always longevity, but at what cost? I, I, think that, um, I think that all of us here who are interested in a long life, we want to maintain our faculties, our physical fitness, um, our energy and curiosity until the very last second, right? Mm -hmm. And then, yeah. yeah, we just fall off a cliff, that's okay. But you know, I want to enjoy <laughs> my life until I'm 120, but do I want to you know, enjoy life as I am now? You bet. Mm-hmm. Sorry, so, so NATO is, is what? N-A-T-O? N-A-T-T-O. N-A-T-T-O. Okay. This is like a food... It's a Japanese um, dish, okay. basically. I mean, if you're in Japan, you can get it at a 7-Eleven. I mean, it's that common. Okay. But in Dubai, I'm not really sure. You'd have to maybe... I, I would say go into an Asian market or an Asian mm. shop or maybe a Japanese restaurant um, and get your NATO mm. there. I... Yeah. I when I was in Hong Kong, I would get it. I quite easy, quite find it quite easily. But here in Spain, nowhere to be found. I, every health shop I go to, it's just not no, no Japanese restaurant. So I, I get it when I can. Just there's so many other great benefits about it. It's fermented and wonderful. I just close my nose and I eat it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a little bit like Vegemite. I think you either love it or you hate it. All right, it's it's um, it's a very good source of vitamin K two. And it also contains something called natokinase, which is an enzyme that's been shown to um, reduce blood clots. So I actually oh, wow. take natokinase as a supplement when I fly. 
Oh, interesting. As a, um, as a supplement, yeah. Yeah, as like a preventive supplement when I fly. Oh. This, is, this is David. Hey, David. Can you hear me? Yes. I just make a comment. Uh, I don't know if it's been published, but Dr. Barzilai, I've been listening to him on every YouTube video I, he's made recently, and he had said that it did not deteriorate your muscles. Your muscles, you'd have less muscle, but they would be more, they would be stronger. Mm. And that's not exactly his words, but it's something to that extent. You might look up mm. what he said. That's and a to he did, he did big advocate of metformin, so with this, of course, a tame study. The other last comment I have uh, on the spermidine and the autophagy. I'm, I'm. It just so happens that right now I'm on day four of the fasting mimicking diet. I do it every month. Mm. Um, I'm trying to lose weight right, right now, and I have been effectively losing weight. The other thing is, we learned. My wife is Chinese, but we learned about natto when we were in Asia on extended trips and we started to eat it and we make our own natto in fact we're making it today we make it a couple times a week wow we buy, Bravo. We buy small soy <laughs> soybeans from a, a farmer in north dakota shipped to here about 20 pounds at a time and we eat it every day except i'm not eating it now because fasting mimicking diet doesn't allow me to mm -hmm. we also take spermidine supplement um so we get lots of spermidine we they're there's a company in uh, South Carolina, LZR Labs. It's, we had been buying it from, and we still may, but there's another company that, that imports it uh, from Austria. Mm. And I, we're trying that one right now, too. So anyway, that's thank you. Super interesting. Actually, yeah. we've all done, Leslie, Amy, and I. Unless you've done the fasting mimicking diet? Yeah, I've done it yeah. as well. Yeah, this is Walter Longo's. Yes. Yeah. So this is, so just so you guys know, um, the three of us have all done a fasting mimicking diet. I think Amy's um, wins the prize for doing it the most amount of times. Um, and we've all seen some really great benefits. And I'm now studying uh, gerontology uh, at, at USC where Dr. Walter Longo is, is teaching. So I'm really excited to learn more about autophagy and, uh, and the fasting mimicking diet from him directly, which I'll be, I'll be sharing with you. And if I can get him on a, on a Zoom call or a podcast, I will certainly let you know about it. Um, let's get back to sort of the autophagy. The question I was thinking about, Robert's question, um, about when exactly, the, the, from what I understand too, the studies are non-conclusive yet in terms of exact timing. That's, that's just, just, you know, to support you guys, what you've said too, it's, okay. it's um, not exactly sure. And I think like Amy says, it probably has a lot to do with other things. Um, I would suggest um, there's uh, some interesting things about fasting mimicking from um, Sachin Panda. Um, studies a lot about uh, sleep as well, but he's, he talks about fasting. And, and from what I heard from him is that once you get into a 16 hour fast, you start to have um, diminishing returns and particularly with, with uh, um, the kidney, I think it was the kidneys or the liver. Um, so if you have any of those issues, you may want to, you know, read up more about how long you should fast and all that. But from my, as a health coach, this is what I always tell people is, is listen to your body 
try to dial in as much as you can because sometimes, you know, I've had clients in Hong Kong who are 30 year old women and they'll tell me about some study and I'll look at it and I'm like, these are four 50 year old Finnish men. So are you 50? Are you Finnish? And are you a man? No. So maybe it's, I mean, it doesn't mean that it's, we shouldn't look at those studies, but you can't put all of your faith in just a study or just a doctor or something I said or something that you heard on a podcast. I mean, it's take it all with a grain of salt, test it out. But if you can dial into your body and listen to it and just let it do its magic because it's so intuitive and it knows what it needs and it wants. So that's the best advice I can give and try the fasting and and listen if it's working for you or not. And measure and assess is always another great thing to do is, is measure things. And so then if you can't really dial in or if you're not really sure about your intuition, well, you got a number there. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I think on your, on your point about measurement and assessment, you know, that's the one thing that's missing right now. So they can measure autophagy. You saw in the Einstein video that if you're in a lab and you have the equipment, you can measure autophagy, and they saw this, the centenarians had more active autophagy, but there's no test out there for the average clinician to be able to run for you or for you to run for yourself to show, okay, I've been fasting for you know, 48 hours, and I am now officially you know, <laughs> in autophagy, and this is how much autophagy has been running in my body. They don't have that yet, although um, Leslie and I have been talking to some Japanese scientists who I think are working on it, which is oh. very interesting. That would be great. <laughs> I would love yeah. to be able to measure it. Yeah. The, the Japanese are definitely at the forefront here. I mean, their population aged uh, well before the populations in North America and in Europe. So they have been working at this for quite a while. And the, of course, uh, Yoshinori Ozumi is the Japanese scientist at Osaka University who won the Nobel Prize in 2016 for his work in discovering the mechanism of action of autophagy. Mm. So uh, yes, this is, this is in the pipeline, watch this space. Um, but it's also one of the reasons why when we decided to source our spermidine, we went to the Japanese because they really, they've got the science on this down pat. Mm. Interesting, before we go into um, supplemental spermidine, I want to ask, so uh, what else activates? I did an ice bath today, for, uh, for example, and the way I understand autophagy is that we, it, these are things like fasting and, and, and maybe the ice bath, and these are stressors on the body. It's a stress, right? So uh, it's about finding that sweet spot because I guess if you were to sit in the ice too long or fast too long, we die. So um, what else can activate autophagy? Um, well, I would imagine that heat shock proteins, if you were doing, uh, going into an infrared sauna, mm-hmm. that would be another way to do it. Um, Amy, can you think of some other ways besides dietine and... Well, it's interesting you said heat shock proteins. There was a new study that just came out where they looked at animals. So spermidine, for example, we make it endogenously. You have microbes in your, in your intestine that can make it. And then obviously we get some from the diet. So there's three sources, right? So they looked at these mice. They, they raised their temperature. And by raising their temperature, they increased their polyamine production. And that in and of itself induced enough autophagy to reverse osteoporosis in this mouse model of osteoporosis. So it was really interesting that the heat was 
inducing the microbes to make the polyamines that then turned on the autophagy. Mm. So all of us who are postmenopausal need to be getting an infrared sauna so we ensure <laughs> we don't get osteoporosis. That's that's incredible. And those other polyamines have other, uh, you know, they have other health benefits. So spermidine is just one. You've got spermine and agmatine. They do other things. Uh, uh, so they're all good for us. There are multiple benefits to all of these things. You know, when you think yeah. about fasting and all the studies that have been done, it's just it's, it does so much. So, you know, we just want to con concentrate now on autophagy, but everything we're talking about today has great side effects, right? Side benefits. So, um, fasting, uh, is great. The ice bath, get your sauna. Um, and if not, uh, you'll get it from your food, your nutrition. And, you know, if nobody has an access to an ice bath or a sauna or, or just not into the fasting, or maybe they, they can't fast, you know, for some reasons, maybe not everybody should um, be fasting. But the other thing that we can rely on is a supplement. And this is, I want to talk to you a little bit more about this because you're, you are, um, have access to this and can produce this and you can, I can get some of it. <laughs> I'm hopefully going to try it out and I want to test it. So what are the it, to me, the one thing about supplements, great, because I don't have to do all the other stuff, or, but I still will do the other stuff anyways, as much as I can, because I never like, I think a supplement is what it is called, a supplement to an already healthy diet and lifestyle. So um, it's like a booster for me. What, tell me more about spermidine and like, uh, how to buy this, where to buy this, how much should we take, uh, who should take it, who shouldn't take it. Is there any side effects to it? Okay, well, um, you know, you can get it, you can get it online. We sell it at primidine.com. So spermidine was just a name I was sure my 84-year-old mother could not get her mouth around to pronounce. So we've <laughs> called it primidine. So it puts you back into the new prime, what we like to call the new prime of life rather than spermidine. That's P-R-I-M-E. A-D-I-N-E.com, so primeadine.com, and uh, so you can get it there. Um, in terms of, of how much you take, our dosage is one milligram. Um, that's because the studies in human trials were done using one milligram. Um, you can get it from, of course, you can get it from your diet. Of course, we should all be you know, getting it from wherever, wherever we can. Um, Amy can talk about what happens when we produce it endogenously. And, you know, physiologically, there is a, a bit of a tax on the body when we make it ourselves, as opposed to getting it, mm. uh, you know, externally. Uh, when you say, you said one milligram? Yeah. It doesn't sound like a lot. That's it's not a lot, but then think about, think about, um, think about melatonin, you know, standard dose is one milligram. It mm -hmm. sounds small, but it's actually quite potent. Mm. And uh, because of, again, because of the fact that the human trials were done using one milligram, we've mm -hmm. chosen to go with that dosage. Mm -hmm. um, I'll let, uh, I'll let Amy talk more about, you know, about this. Um, as well as, you know, the point about what about us making it, uh, mm -hmm. making it ourselves, what happens? Is there, uh, is there any disadvantage to us making it ourselves, as, mm. especially as we get older? And then meanwhile, you can answer Jawahar's question 
in the uh, chat too while I'll Amy explains that. this. Okay. Um, I think on the dosage front, we, you know, Leslie had to follow the science and there's only one safety study in humans right now. There's a lot of studies on spermidine in animals and in vitro, but the clinical trials are just coming out now. And so she chose to follow the science and go with the one milligram dosage. Um, there is, um, a, I don't know what European commission it is, but one of the European regulatory bodies has said that a dosage up to six milligrams in humans is probably safe. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it's better to just look at the research and see how that develops because there are a lot of studies that are going to be coming out now in, in humans. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and when Leslie was talking about the endogenous production, I think what she was referring to is the fact that um, SAMe or a version of SAMe is actually a cofactor for in the polyamine pathway when you make it. So I think what Leslie was trying to allude to was that people who may not be um, good at making these methyl donors, making spermidine is going to be even more challenging. So mm. maybe getting more spermidine from the diet is important for people who have that. Uh, okay. Well, I can almost think about how that it, it may be a risk, not a risk factor, but uh, it can take a toll on the body is what I think she said. And uh, because if you're doing this through uh, stress in terms of the sauna or an ice bath or fasting. It's a huge stress on the body that I can see that there's, you know, advantages and disadvantages and you don't want to go too far. That's why it's always that, that sweet spot. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about, okay, let's say, um, the spermidine, the primidine, say that supplement itself that she's, um, she's working on and is that, where is that sourced from? And why would that one be better than someone somewhere else? I mean, if I, can, and can I get just any spermidine in a, in a health shop or, or online? What's so great about yours? Hey, I'm butting in for a quick second. If you enjoy the content brought to you in this podcast, consider supporting Hack My Age by becoming a patron on patreon.com. This is where you can drop a tip or become a member for the price of a coffee. Members get special material, free coaching, and private Zoom calls. Join us by going to patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash hack my age. Thanks for your support. Now let's get back to the podcast. Um, it's incredibly hard to find. Um, I think David mentioned that he he had located a couple of sources. Um, purity was very important for us. Again, that's why we went to Japan. Um, the Japanese are pretty obsessed with quality control. And so we've had everything tested in Japan first. When it came to the United States for encapsulation and bottling, it was tested again in an FDA certified Good manufacturing practice facility. So, uh, you know, we wanted that extra certification just to make sure there were no toxins, there were no heavy metals or anything like that. But it's a very time consuming process. You actually need a very large factory in order to do this. Um, ours is actually defatted. I mentioned that wheat germ is quite unstable because it goes rancid very quickly. So ours actually takes the, the fats out because that is the bit that leads to its instability. And it means that you need to use a phenomenal quantity of wheat germ in order to then kind of distill it down to you know, the little capsules that we've got. Um, and in terms of, uh, you know, I'm just thinking, I, I don't know very much about where 
you know, Laser Labs gets theirs. Uh, but I can speak to I can speak to ours. You know, having two sets of certifications, both in Japan and the United States, which. Mm -hmm. Um, we thought just gave me the sense, um, you know, the confidence to be able to give it to my mom and her friends. My mom is really picky. She's, she's Taiwanese, um, which used to be a colony of Japan. And she is so picky about what she puts into her body. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's, it's great to hear, hear this, the story because and anyone who's considering any kind of supplement, do your homework, um, go into the, to the website, go and send messages to the scientists. And I've, I'm so, I love supplements. I'm very skeptical about them, but I love them. So I'm very careful about what I'm like your mom, I guess, but it's very choosy about what goes in my body. And I love to do the research, not that it's a hundred percent guarantee, but I know that for me, it's 80% of the stuff on the market is either doesn't have what's on the label or it's got heavy metals in it. And, and so I'm really looking for a company that has really rigorous testing. Um, and it, it doesn't even matter if maybe you can source organic and get all the great sources, but if during the manufacturing process it's contaminated, I'm not interested in it. Like we could do a whole other thing on supplements, but I'm not going to talk about that now. But, yeah. Um, yeah, you um, should, you should. <laughs> but um, anyways, guys, I'm going to have to let these wonderful uh, biohacking women go. Is there any questions that you want to ask before I let them go? Did you want me to answer Jawahar's question? Yes, please. Right. So I alluded to those nine hallmarks of aging and the five pathways that spermidine helps prevent are epigenetic changes, impaired proteostasis, mitochondrial dysfunction, stem cell dysfunction, and impaired intercellular communication. Okay, now speak English and, and, and um, <laughs> well, translate that. Mitochondrial dysfunction and stem cell dysfunction, those are, those are big. Let's just focus on those. I think we can all, we all know what stem cells are. We all know mitochondria are the powerhouses of our cells. We want both our stem cells and our mitochondria to be firing on all cylinders. And those are just two of the five. Um, in mm -hmm. fact, uh, Professor Dennis Noble, the uh, Emeritus Professor of Physiology here at the University of Oxford, believes that spermidine actually hits an additional three. But mm -hmm. I won't go into those here. So this, this like supplement, this primadine, or if you want mm. to take another one, yeah. is this something you should take as soon as now we've discovered it? Do you need it in your 20s, your 30s? You should That's start a great question. It your 40s? It's a really Good great question. question. So here's the thing is that if you are over, we age, uh, we, and we notice aging uh, at certain ages, like at age 30, at age 60, and at age 80, you have big drops in your uh, in your ability to repair, uh, you know, your cells. And you will notice this. We know in terms of immunity and the work that, that Professor Simon has done here, that if you take spermidine together with a vaccine and you are over the age of 60, the vaccine works for you again. Not only does it work for you, but your response will be better than that of say a 20 year old who has a vaccine and spermidine together. The hypothesis is that's because as an older person, you have actually seen more pathogens in your lifetime. 
But when we hit that around that 60 year old mark, we actually lose. It's as if our memory cells forget that we've seen these pathogens. And as a result, we can't raise an antibody response, but the spermidine wakens the memory of those immune cells. Now, there are studies in mice only that show that if you give spermidine to 20 year old mice, they do live a lot longer. You can give this to a 60 year old mouse and that mouse will live longer too, but start them at 20, they do live longer. It's just that they won't notice the improvement to their health as much as say a 60 year old would. Okay, makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, it's always, yeah, that's a really good question, I have to say. Most things that we do for our bodies that are good for our health, uh, I always say the earlier the better. It's not necessary, I think. Certain things are just not necessary um, it's certain, and when, you're, when you're young, so, so um, that was a really good question. Um, any other questions, guys? If not now, forever hold your peace. <laughs> Um, all right. Thank you so much. I, if you guys are interested in spermidine, um, you can use a discount code 20% off using Zora. Thank you so much for giving this to me. Um, and I will share this as well with my Instagram family. Z-O-R-A. That's it. Just Zora. And um, super easy to remember. And you go to primadine.com, P-R-I-M-E-A-D-I-N-E.com. Um, I can't wait for my first bottle because I always, I actually, I'm putting all my faith and trust in Amy and Leslie because I know them so, so well and I, I trust them completely. Otherwise, I would always take something myself before I recommend it, but I, I'm trying it out myself just because I, I believe in them and I can't wait to measure this in certain ways and get report back to you guys on what, what effects I have. But um, as I understand, no bad negative side effects, correct? No, according it's not appropriate for people who are sensitive to gluten, obviously, or celiac disease, because it is from wheat germ. Mm. So, you know, it's, you have to look at your individual circumstances and probably work with a healthcare practitioner if you're not sure. Good point. Thank you. Yeah. That's that good. said, I've been gluten-free for 10 years and uh, I take it every day and I have no, no negative side effects. I think that at age 55, I don't know, you guys can all see me. Yes. Um, you know, it's sort of proof is in the pudding, no hair dye, no Botox, no nothing. Wow. Thank you so much, Leslie and Amy, for sharing your knowledge. And I'm so excited to, to get spermidine more in my life and start activating autophagy with all the other things that I do too. Um, have a great night. Thank you so much. And I hope you guys come back. Terrific. Look forward to seeing you again next time. Hey, did you enjoy the podcast? Don't forget to subscribe to be notified of all the new episodes and leave a review to help build the tribe. It's a small act of kindness that brings me big benefits and helps others find this amazing content. The best thing you can do is share. Sharing is caring. Statements made on this podcast have not been evaluated by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Anything we say or products we mention are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Information provided by this podcast is not a substitute for personal medical advice and not intended to replace a one-on-one -on -one relationship with a qualified healthcare professional. It is intended as a sharing of knowledge and information from the personal research and experience of me and my guests.